Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. It's an out of order experience. Yes. There's good way to put it. There's no timing to this. That you know, when when a when a parent passes away, there's a natural order to that. There, the the words, well, they lived a great life. Yeah. And they've earned their place in heaven. Yeah. Right. All of that. Yeah. All of that makes a ton of sense. When someone's in their 20s or 30s or younger or older, the age doesn't really matter, and it's out of order, all that kind of gets thrown off. And and I think both the affected struggle as well as those that are connected to the affected. So our whole family gets thrown into disarray. Chris White and his wife Fran are the guests today with Pastor Paul Johnson as they discuss the pain of losing an adult child, but yet where they found hope in the process. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad you've joined us on Life Support. And uh, we're here just to lift up uh, Jesus and what he can do through suffering and trauma. And we tell stories. And that's what we're all about. And... Our guests today have an incredible story to tell. Chris and Fran White are here. Chris, Fran, thanks for being with us today. Our pleasure. Thanks. So great to have you. And your story is one that I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. I know I can relate to different aspects of it, both in the grieving part and in the blending family part. And and you've got an, kind of an extra layer there that we can um, delve into as well. So I guess let's let's just start your story where you'd like to. Um, where did everything begin to change for you? You had kind of the normal family set up there for a while, right? You had grandkids and all this. Mm-hmm. So what happened? You want to you want to tell me? Sure. In March of 2011, our then 26-year-old daughter found a lump in her breast and had two doctors say, "Oh, Leanne, you're only 26. It can't be cancer. It's nothing." So. You know, I'm like, you sure you don't want to have it checked out? And she's like, no, Mom. And I had to trust that she was an adult. Fast forward two months, she gets pregnant. Fast forward three months, we're at October of 2011. She's four months pregnant. And our family hears the words breast cancer. It rocked Leanne and her husband Ryan's world. Um, We went up to Fergus Falls, where they were living at the time, and I did convince her to come down to the Twin Cities to get a second opinion because the doctor up there told her that she would have to abort her baby. And Leanne and Ryan, strong believers in Jesus, said no way. And so the doctors that we met with in the Twin Cities said, nope, you can have your baby. Everything um, will work out. We can do treatment while you're pregnant. And so... Um, in October, they, she started treatment for breast cancer. And then uh, everything started to change some more, right? And things got kind of crazy. They did. Um, I have to go back and say we've, we relied heavily on our uh, faith community and our friends to cover us in prayer during that time because mm-hmm. there was so much coming at us so fast. Mm-hmm. And our children were living out of state at the time, and... Um, God provided a way for our whole family to have four days together before Leanne started treatment where we could laugh and we could cry and we could pray. Mm-hmm. And I can just see it's still still a very, very deep thing. And I, for sure. one of the things we talk a lot about on this program is how when f- people are grieving, 
others around them tend to kind of move on and and assume that they're going to get better and um but it doesn't really ever get better it just changes right yep we get stronger Mm -hmm. Um, as we go through each day, but the grief doesn't change. It's always there. We're always missing a part of our family. Yeah, that's right. So you're dealing with, uh, you're dealing with breast cancer. Um, I know what it's like to get that diagnosis. My, my wife, Jody got that diagnosis. Um, it's a stunner. Um, I had to actually go tell my kids that their mom had cancer. And then a year later I had, I had to go tell them that their mom was terminal and I'll never forget those drives home. And that's when God becomes a real thing. Like it's like God, I, I, I don't know how to do this, right? Yeah, there's nobody else to uh, there's nobody else to call and say, how do I communicate this? How do I mm-hmm. how do I share this with with this group? Um, uh, we had the benefit, I think, of having that four days together. We just cocooned as a family to, all right, let's let's gird up our loins. We're we're going into battle here. We have no idea who we're up against or what we're up against, but. Um, uh, we had the benefit of a solid foundation in the Lord, uh, which helped us at least say, okay, there's a bigger plan here. We have no idea what it is, but there's a bigger plan, mm-hmm. and we're going to do this one step at a time. All right, so the treatment starts, and then what happened? Treatment starts. She has four um, chemo treatments before the baby is born, and we went through Christmas, and at the beginning of January, we had a care conference, and the doctors are like, okay, Leanne, uh, your treatment's not being effective anymore, and we can't do any more with you being pregnant. So at 32 weeks, she delivered her precious three-pound baby, which was a whole other aspect to all of this, caring for a sick mommy with cancer and a premature baby. Mm -hmm. Um, He spent 28 days in the NICU, and today he's a healthy, thriving nine-year-old boy. That's fantastic. After the day after he was born, she started more intense chemo and continued on with that for almost five months. Then she had surgery and 32 radiation treatments. And in September of 2012, her doctor declared her cancer free. Hmm. So we went on, on with our life without medical appointments, without um, medicine, without sickness. And we just enjoyed each day. Yeah. And then when did think when did that change? December of 2013, again right after Christmas, she wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. And she went into the doctor um and he changed chemo and started to do some other things and we saw some um, Oh, we we need to, we need to back up. So uh after she was declared cancer free, there was this 6-month window of time where life was pretty much normal, right? She's yeah. training for a half marathon. <clears throat> There, okay, what's the next step in our lives? And, and she noticed uh, a, a lump on the scar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she went in for a biopsy, at which point her oncologist said, unfortunately, the cancer's returned. Mm-hmm. Having been through this, you know that that becomes then a chronic illness, yep. right? There's right. no more surgery. There's no more medical treatment other than chemotherapy and drugs and whatnot. And so yep. we began another series of of heavy doses of chemotherapy and, and whatnot to try to keep the cancer in check. And then this Saturday, she wasn't feeling well, so go yeah. ahead. In, in December, um, she wasn't feeling well, and he changed her chemo, but 
it just didn't appear to be working. And then they saw some spots on her liver and some spots on her um, other lymph nodes in her body. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he thought, the doc- her doctor thought he could get it under control, but it was already too late. Mm-hmm. And so then how long was that till you lost her? Um, she called me on, she called me on a Saturday morning and she said, mom, they want me to go into the hospital to get fluids because I, I, I don't feel good and they think I'm dehydrated. Can you take me so that Ryan, her husband and her little guy could go on a dad Sunday? And I said, sure. So we went into the ER and, um, they were frantically trying to get her pain under control and everything else that was happening. And they looked at me and they said, I think we're going to put her in the ICU. And I was just like, I thought we were here just for fluids since, you know, clearly totally missed what was going on. But they put her in the ICU and they did all kinds of scans and she was in there. And Monday morning, her oncologist walked in and he looked at her husband, Ryan, and myself and Leanne. And he said, Leanne, I'm really sorry, but your cancer is too far advanced and there's nothing else we can do. Mm-hmm. And he was a, um, a Jewish doctor and she looked at him and she said, Dr. Bloom, God's got this. Mm. Leanne clearly knew. Mm-hmm. And the next, so that was on a Monday, and the next Tuesday afternoon, about 4.45, her husband whispered in her ear, Leanne, run, run to Jesus. Mm. And she took her last breath. Wow. So well, there's a window of like five months here where yeah. the from the time she was re-diagnosed until this series of events where, candidly, we had no idea no. that the cancer had taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, her, uh, her uh, what's the right word? Her ability to ignore her condition was mm-hmm. such where um, none of us knew how sick she really was. I mean, we knew she was struggling with pain and discomfort, but we really didn't know the level. And it was a complete shock when the doctor said on that day, there's nothing we can do, and it's not a question of uh, days or weeks. It's you have a number of days yes. before this is going to happen. So. We had to rally the family. We're buying airplane tickets and calling people mm-hmm. home from Iowa and mm-hmm. trying to get everybody together to say those goodbyes, mm-hmm. which was um, um, no small feat, but we managed to cram 13 or 14 people in an intensive care unit <laughs> hospital room despite the protests from the staff, but we figured it out. You know, the staff will get by. Um, here's here's two things that just really are compelling about what you're saying and, and have, have really over the years as I've dealt with people who are ill and experienced this in my own family. The first thing is how God gives grace to those who are dying to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of all live in fear of death, and we, you know, we, we try to escape death our whole lives and so forth. But then when it comes that time, somehow she can utter those words and really mean it. And she's, and she's not this person you can say, well, you know, she lived this long, happy Life is it's way right. too short. Yeah, but yet she was confident in God's ability to yeah her, to deal uh, with it. Her sister said at the uh, at the celebration of life service um, that at, at a point in time, not too long before she passed away, um, she said, "Katie, I I just want to go home." Mm-hmm. She was resigned, probably more so to that fact than any of us. We had no idea, but mm-hmm. I think to your point, um, th- the the one that's going to pass away um, begins to know. And begins to mentally, if you will, make those plans, uh, and then um, they look forward in anticipation. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's the that's the amazing thing when you walk into a hospital room of someone who knows Jesus and someone who doesn't. Um, there's just a completely different feel, a completely different, um, you know, the whole thing of grieving, but grieving with hope is such a real and present thing at those times. It's still, still terrible, still awful, but yet there's that hope of, yes, God is in this. So, so you're losing an adult child, and this is the other thing. So um, culture sometimes, and, and, and the Christian culture, sometimes kind of has this... Um, ladder of importance of when people die and how that should affect you. So in other words, if someone loses a, uh, an older parent, we kind of send a card. Um, well, you know, we would expect someone that age to, to you know, and we expect that person to, to deal with it. Um, children, people devastated, you know, child should never, ever. But you, you lost an adult child, and it's still just as devastating, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what age they are. There's, there's the, um, it's, it's an, it's an out of order experience. Yes. There's good way to put it. There's no timing to this that, you know, when, when a, when a parent passes away, there's a natural order to that. There, the, the words, boy, they lived a great life and they've earned their place in heaven, right? All of that, all of that makes a ton of sense. When someone's in their twenties or thirties or younger or older, the age doesn't really matter and it's out of order all that kind of gets thrown off. And, and I think both the affected struggle as well as those that are connected to the affected. So our whole family gets thrown into disarray, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and then those around us that know us and love us don't know what to do. More from Pastor Paul and Chris and Fran in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And we're excited to announce that musical artist Sarah Groves will be performing as a benefit of Life Support Resources. The date is February 24th, and tickets are now on sale. If you're in the Twin Cities area, you can link to the tickets at fivestonemedia.com. That's spelled out, fivestonemedia.com. Also performing will be original music from Eaglebrook Music, And the MC for the night is comic Bob Stromberg. And now back to today's interview with Pastor Paul. Mm -hmm. We had had incredibly well-meaning friends who in this journey over time were absolutely convinced based on prayer that Leanne was going to be healed. Yeah. You know, and we were there that day when she took her last breath going, okay, God, you got got another shot here. Yeah. Right? Go ahead and pull it off. I mean, we'll be happy to buy a billboard somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. right. But, uh, yeah. But it, it, but it, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, Ryan and Leanne lived with us from her first diagnosis, um, all the way through to her death. And then Ryan and Leo lived with us for three years wow. after that. So when you, uh, the blended family, right? Just you know, just the whole disruption to this throws every, it throws everything off. And yeah. So yeah. You, you mentioned it a minute ago. The the thought of doing this without any kind of foundation just it makes our hearts ache for those that don't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. when they have to go through this. Mm-hmm. And many do. And, uh, you know, I think there's there's common grace, and we're all, you know, we all carry the image of God, and so God somehow also maneuvers in their lives and, and often calls them to himself during those mm-hmm. d- during those difficult times. But, but this is the other part of your story, and, and when we have you on next time, we can delve more into this. But so now you have um, a grandson, um, and you have a son-in-law, and now that relationship must 
be changing and you're saying to yourself, now, how does this all work? You know, because you're right, the natural order of things have been totally messed up. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. Now what? So how did you start to grapple with this new reality that you were facing? I think I think the way we grappled with it, Fran said it a moment ago, is what's the next step? Um, uh, we learned during the cancer journey with Leanne, don't look too far down the road. Mm-hmm. Okay, things like stay away from the internet, right? No, stay away boy, from yeah. the stay, stay away from people who read the internet too. Would with, be of, my advice. Yeah. Quote unquote, well-meaning friends. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But Everybody's learned, an expert. Yeah, right. But when you when you do thirty plus. Uh, chemotherapy treatments, what you, what you deal with is, what's the next one? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have a blood cell count sufficient to allow me to do it? So you, you learn to just take the next step. So um, for us, it was a natural order when Leanne died for Ryan and Leo to stay with us. They were already there with us. And we have to remember Leo at uh, three pounds when he was born as a preemie, those, those kids have a, a lot of needs. And when yeah. Leanne died, he was two and a half. Yeah. He wasn't all the way to caught up yet. So you've got this 28-year-old guy who didn't plan on being a single dad, who's not equipped for that, and um, kind of, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? So it was, right. it was completely normal in our family to just say, well, you're here. Yeah. All your stuff is here. Yeah. Don't worry about your, you know, mm-hmm. your, you just you know, hang out here. So mm-hmm. um, I think long story too long probably, we just took the next step. What's, what's the next right thing to do? And we had, I mean, we had kids that were, li- a, a daughter and, a, and her husband and kids that were living in Iowa. They moved home to help. You know, we're so blessed with a family that, that rallied around this. Um, we just took what's the right next step as we, as we try to navigate through this. Mm-hmm. We, didn't, we didn't have any preconceived notions of um, where's the playbook on this? Chapter two, daughter yeah. dies, what's next? Yeah. yeah, There isn't any of that. There is none of that. Um, there is a... Um, a template of a biblical worldview that we fall back on, and we and there are truths that we depend on, but the actual methodology is um, it's, it's day to day. And I think that's a really good word for um, people that are just navigating through normal things in this culture today. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are looking far ahead; they're afraid, they're angry, they're um, panicking, and and that advice just to kind of settle down and and just take things one step at a time. Let's get through today. God, what do you want me to do today? Not worry about who's going to be the president in two years or what gas prices are going to be like next week, but today. We have today. Well, you lean into what Jesus said. Tomorrow will take care of itself. That's right. Right? Yeah. The the flowers of the field, more more dressed up than Solomon ever was, tomorrow will take care of itself. Let's focus on today. So. You know, for us, I mean, like as Fran has often said, it could be just the next hour or the next half hour or the next day. What's the next thing we need to do as we try to move forward? Great friend said to us, you can't go backwards yeah, and you can't stay where you are so you can only go forward. Yeah, that's good. Good counsel. And, and, and so, but what does it take to do that? What's the next thing? Because you can do the next thing. The thing five steps down, it might be so daunting that you end up paralyzed. Well, and you can't think that clearly um, at times either. I mean, your life is a fog, and so you're just sort of falling back to what you know. And Fran, you, you, did you feel a responsibility to kind of step into that mother's role then? Absolutely. I had told Leanne that I would take care of her boys, that we would take care of her boys. Mm-hmm. And um, Leo needed a mommy figure. And I prayed every day that God would give, keep me healthy, give me what I needed to do, um, give me the strength, the, 
for what I needed to do to take care of a two-and-a-half-year-old because that, you know, at 50-some years old, you don't take care of a two-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah. And Most people, we do it for an hour and then give them right. back mm-hmm. and say that was, spicy was fun to see them. Yes. He, um, he, I felt like Ryan and I co-parented Leo for those three years that they lived with us. And even today, I feel like sometimes I'm more of a um, – not, I, I can't be the fun Grammy all the time with Leo. I have to, you know, give him some guidance and some discipline, which I don't always like to do because Gram, Grammys are supposed to be fun. Yeah. But I have a relationship with Leo that different. doesn't compare to any yeah, it's of different. the other relationships with my other grandchildren. So you and now, so we there's one step in there we need to clarify. Um, now you're a grandma, and you've got another person in the picture. Yep. Right, because there's been a remarriage. This yes. is a great story. And so how did that all, I mean, how did you deal with all of that change? So three years of living together and just taking the, again, a step at a time, um, it, it, was, it became clear that Ryan doesn't deserve to live his life as a widower and raise his son by himself. Um, so at... A point in time, we began to talk about. It. So, what's next? And we um, were, you know, no pressure, no time for you to go. You are welcome here as long as you need to. But, kind of, what's next? And so, we began to uh, talk about maybe it's maybe it's time for you guys to go out and build your man cave and yeah. and uh, you know get out on your own and begin to establish, you know, your own life and uh, and coaching and helping. And our family did a great job. Our our uh, sons and sons-in-law pulled up alongside Ryan to help guide him through that. And, and, um, our other two daughters pulled up alongside and our daughter-in-law, uh, Danielle to just begin to build an environment where we could have those conversations. And so Ryan, Ryan and uh, Leo bought a home and, and, uh, our, our girls all went over and decorated it for him. Right. Cause otherwise it would be yeah. deer heads and bearskin yeah, rugs. That's right? right. That's right. So, um, mm-hmm. and they did a wonderful job and, uh, and we began to talk to Ryan about, um, you know, you're not you're not built to be alone, right? I mean, God's model is man and women, man and woman. Yep. And so we began to talk about that, and um, uh, it's it's. I'm going to let Fran tell the story because she's the matchmaker in this thing. But it's uh, talk hmm. about a God ordained story. But we began to talk about it's 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 time to find love again. Yeah. That's... It's a you've honored. You've honored Leanne's memory incredibly mm-hmm. well. You mm-hmm. will continue to do that all your life. Uh, Leo needs a mommy figure on this on this earth, and and you need you need a you need you need a spouse. This family needs a woman's touch. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right. So talk about. It. Well, Fran, we're gonna we're gonna actually get to that next time, and I think that's a good way to to say we're gonna have you back, and I want to hear this part of the story because this is such a compelling thing, and now we're getting into layers of things that um, not many. Um, have to deal with. And I'm really curious and, and interested to hear your heart on that. And and what you were saying, too, uh, about, you know, the idea of coaching him to get married, coaching him to get out there uh, instead of, you know, being self-protective and, and wanting things to stay, you know, within your control uh, says a lot about your own maturity and your understanding of, of what God's plan is. I remember friends who, uh, w- when my wife Jody passed away, they they would say, you know, uh, Paul, you honored your vows to her. It was till death do you part. And so don't spend the rest of your life thinking that she's going to feel bad 
if you get remarried, you've got small kids, and she's with Jesus. She doesn't care anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but you have to kind of free yourself from that. And before Jody died, she would go through the church phone book, and she would point to all these women that, you know, I think you should date her, her, and you should date her. But the funny part was, it was all the women that I would never date. Right. And so it was really kind of funny because she knew that. And uh, But but that kind of opened the door. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, the, the lesson, out, even outside of these experiences, is we, we can't control things anyway. And so to just leave it open and let God control is, is always the best thing. Sure. And you guys did a really wonderful job of that. And so I'm really, I'm really thankful that you came today to tell us the story. I'm sorry you had to deal with with all of this, um, but I'm looking forward to hearing more about it next time. Thanks for being here. Pleasure's ours. Hey, you know, and as we talk, I was thinking um, about how God is always coming alongside of these difficult times. And in Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, Paul said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with comfort we ourselves receive from God. And I love that because when we suffer, when we go through trauma, when we have hardships, then we can turn around and we can speak into someone else's life where really we have kind of credibility that someone else might not have and the wisdom because we've walked a little bit in those shoes. It's never quite the same. But So remember that God is with you. He is the God of compassion. He is the God of comfort. You are not alone regardless of what you're going through. And I'm so glad to, to have all of the support we have to do this program from our partners. Life Support is uh, sponsored by Faith Radio at faithradio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com, and you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at myrwc.org. And thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.